Well, good morning and welcome to our podcast for this week. Um, thank you for joining us again as we reflect uh, a little bit uh, on our time on Sunday. Now, we didn't do one last week uh, and then this week uh, we've had our first outdoor service, mm. uh, which I think is the first time I've had an outdoor service in Shelford. Um, so we did it behind the coffee shop uh, and had a great number of people. And I read a passage from uh, John 12, so I think it'd be really helpful. Mm-hmm. I kind of introduced it on Sunday uh, as read this passage and say, yeah, despite the amazing amount of theological depth to it, mm-hmm. um, I really was only going to reflect for a few moments. Um, so it'd be good just to delve into that. Well, you expressed, um, I'm sure people will be relieved that I'm only going to be looking at it briefly but I was quite disappointed I was you know read this passage and uh, wanted to think a little bit more about it so for those who want to think a bit more Mm. about this um, quite complicated and um, pregnant passage then then we can do that now. So I think if you're so it's from John 12 um, from verse 20 to 36 so maybe if you've not read it and we're not going to read it but if you want to just pause the podcast and read it for yourself uh, and then come back and uh, and bring your and hear our reflections and then bring your own reflections uh, along the way as well Um, but you picked up something early on yeah I wonder if you want to just kick us off Uh, yeah so it's interesting so I I will just read um the first couple of verses and Again, I would say if you are reading it, you're probably going to want to read all of John 12, although we're only going to focus now on um, verses 22. Is it is it 36? Mm. Um, but it's, there's just a lot, a lot going on. And it's there's a lot more than just the facts of the situation. I think John is really trying to paint a picture and um, give us a window into... Jesus anticipating his own death. Mm. But um, so what we've got right here in verse 20, somebody else might, if you have any more reflection on this, I'll be interested to know this. But it says, now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Now, this is interesting because this is a little paragraph about the Greeks who specifically want to speak to Jesus, and yet they're not referenced again. Mm. So who who were these Greeks? Why has John spent the time introducing them in this section and then not following up on who they were? Is there some... At the time, would people have known who they were? Mm. Would that have had more importance? At the time that people were reading this, would they have thought, ah, that was such and such and such and such? Or not? I don't know. Maybe also, if I kept reading in a, in a few more chapters, maybe I'd pick that up. Um, but just reading it again, following from Sunday, that was that was my first kind of, kind of yeah, query. Well, I don't think the Greeks get much of a mention um, in the Gospels, but I might be wrong. And... Um, yeah, no, you know, no, and this is this is John. This is not Luke either, so mm. it's not a particularly a, a Gentile. Yeah, um, it's not associated as a Gentile gospel particularly. And um, it, it's quite a chain, isn't it? You know, it says who went to speak to who, who went to speak to who, and then yeah, uh, that person kind of then just end up seemingly ignoring it, or in John's accounts, um, wasn't really absolutely. Referenced. It's very specific. We don't just get somebody went to speak to somebody who spoke to Jesus. We know that they spoke to Philip, who spoke to Andrew, and then both 
Andrew and Philip in turn went to tell Jesus. And yet, what happened to the Greeks? And I was just thinking, it can feel a bit like that in church life, can't it? You spoke to someone, <laughs> and they then spoke to someone else, and then you never hear anything about yeah, it ever again. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it's almost every kind of conversation I overhear you having with people, it's like, you kind of think, oh, what happened there? And I'll never know. Yeah, so um, so who finishes. were the Greeks? What did they want to speak to Jesus? What happened... Did they get to speak to Jesus? What happened if they did get, get to speak to Jesus? There's just, if I was reading a novel at this point, I'd be a little bit mm. frustrated that they, that the author forgot to pick up um, the theme and continue it through. And then it does, I mean, you notice this in scripture, you know, though these guys come to Jesus with a request and then Jesus doesn't answer their request, he answers another question Mm. you know it's like he's not going to answer that question he's going to tell you something else and there's something in I guess the the kind of hubbub coming towards him of like okay we'll all talk together we'll go and talk to Jesus and Jesus will tell us the answer to this but he doesn't tell us the answer to that Mm. he tells them what he wants to talk about so he doesn't get distracted by you know the um, urgent seemingly urgent request that's Mm. been passed down he then starts talking about what he wants to talk about anyway. Or well, certainly that's how, you know, the gospel writers kind of record him a number of times. Well, I think that's it. certainly how John doesn't seem to stick to the usual patterns of um, of Matthew, Mark and Luke. He he tends to write it how he wants to write it, irrespective of whether everybody else has got it aligned a certain way. Mm. He doesn't really seem to care quite so much about placing the facts in the right place as getting the sense across is mm. the more mystical of the gospel writers. And um, and this feels, you know, it, there's a lot of fact in it, you know, kind of what looks like historical particular facts, but I think there's a much more mystical nature so, in this passage. So then what is, what is Jesus kind of saying? And these are some of the famous words, aren't they? You know, mm-hmm. so very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground... And dies, it will only remain a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And then anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And this kind of idea of Jesus dying and then out of that death comes Mm. growth. uh, And that's kind of what he's equating to. Um, And this is, you know, all within a passage predicting, you know, Jesus kind of giving another hint about what's going to happen. But this is this passage was not written before he died either. So mm. it's got a message post Jesus' death. Yeah. Um, and I think also that that he is talking about himself. So he is the kernel of wheat falling mm. to the ground and dying and then producing many seeds. But I wonder as well how much we're being encouraged to be that kernel of wheat mm. ourselves. So there, were, there is the the once and for all death of Jesus Christ, but there's also us all giving up our lives. And then it, then it gets, it, it's interesting because I read this so many times because it reads as if people are having a dialogue, but it's not. It's mm. only Jesus kind of is talking and answering himself at the same time. Then it goes on, as he talks about my soul, now my soul is troubled and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark. You know, so it's father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, 
glorify your name. So he's he's having a dialogue with himself. We have mm. John recording Jesus having a dialogue with himself. So there's a an internal battle being played out. And I think, you know, especially in this last year, when I think probably um, we've all had to face an awareness of death perhaps more than we usually mm. um, would like to. Um, I think, I think certainly, especially in our um, British culture, we um, generally Western culture, we avoid any talk of death. Um, over the last years, the last year when you constantly working out what mm. are the rising death toll, etc., it's never been too far from our mind, and that's uncomfortable. I think most people don't want to think about that. And um, encouragingly, I see that Jesus wasn't comfortable mm. with his own death. Um, he wrestles with it. He's wrestling with his own humanity here. And I know some Christians who speak quite um, openly of, you know, they they use, they say the old phrases that the Methodists used to die well. Almost the more strong in your faith you are, the more mm. um, comfortable you are with death. And yet, to me also, I see something, death isn't a great affront to life. Mm. And, you know, realistically we all want to hold on to our lives that's what what's what we do that's what we do from we're born we come into this world you know fiercely holding on to our life and i see jesus doing mm. that too so this is interesting as he's about to give up his life for the world mm. there's also something of the humanity that is precious and that he doesn't and, want to give up and they do say that about the methodists but i don't know if every methodist died well no but so. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a phrase I remember hearing that yeah, at college, and it was kind of upheld as if, yes, you must be so certain of your own faith that in, in no mm. way you're frightened of death, and yet, um, and I, you know, I, I think certainly for somebody of my age, I'm probably more aware of death mm. and have something of a conscious fear of it than perhaps, um, other people who try not to think of it. I think that again, probably comes from suffering from mental illness. I think that you are much more aware, you think more deeply on those kind of themes that most other normal people are able to keep out. Um, and we do, don't we? So we squash those fears down. And I think probably as you get older, maybe you you, you learn to live with them a little bit more. Mm. I don't know if you ever, um, yeah, I'm around, you know, I've, I've done more funerals than I care to remember, mm. um, seeing people dying and, uh, and those last days and hours uh, and yeah I, I, I think there's probably an acceptance towards the end I don't mm. know if there's a, a sense of wanting to do it well I think there's just a an overwhelming acceptance of this life is draining mm. from you um, and yeah anyway we've kind of got sidetracked but a little bit talking about but death well it's when it's not because it's on the. <laughs> I mean this this chapter is it's very much entitled yeah. Jesus predicts his death it talks about a festival and I think that's probably one of the reasons we um spoke about it yesterday um at the all age at the all together service but it is about Jesus predicting um his death and the other thing the interesting thing is the um concept of um the seed in it mm. and at the minute I'm I'm trying I'm working on um an artwork um that i'm trying i'm trying to i'm thinking about um you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free mm. that's a verse that's been really kind of playing on on my heart lately um and 
the the thing the image that's coming up to me has been the um the dandelion clock which is um which is the dandelion dying mm. and it's the seeds that are blowing away mm. so it's interesting that it's also here um that there is that sense of freedom in letting in holding your life quite lightly mm. but also then there is truth in doing that so i'm thinking of it, it being as the truth will set you free mm. so how much are those things intertwined mm. that's really interesting is that what it's called a dandelion dock a dandelion clock oh clock aren't they called dandelion clocks I don't know. i'm sure they are because i think of how you used to blow you them. said it very confidently um it's definitely so not really. a dandelion dog I've i mean <laughs> dock i thought it's a dog no it's dandelion um, clock. so i mean the bit that i also picked out yesterday was this idea that or well, the next bit the voice came from heaven hmm. um and i thought it was a really interesting take uh and the voice says, I've glorified it and it will glorify it again. And the crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. And just this, and it's not explicit, but is, you know, there's two groups and they hear the same sound mm. um, and take away two very different things from it. Um, and I, I think I experience or see that in people all the time. We were in the same room, we hear the same message, but you know, we take different things, you know, from it. And I think a discernment practice, how do we discern the voice of God when we all arguably yeah. can take different things um, from that? And that's where I think collective community comes from. So the high value of a church meeting is that we're together and we collectively reflect and discern. And whether we always get it right or not, I don't know. But there's a community aspect to are we all hearing the same thing mm. um there's other groups and i joked on sunday just about the kids you know they can have an argument over what mum says and um, they've both heard you know you've said one thing you only mm. said one thing they've all heard three different things mm. and then are arguing about what exactly is you've said um and we can do the same thing can't we uh, but sometimes everybody is a bit right as well yeah that it isn't quite so clear-cut as one person was right they heard and the other two people didn't hear and even here with the thunder what if god spoke through thunder what mm. if there was a a sense of the natural element um, yes he's not explicit in the passages that say that those people thought that didn't think it was god yes um, so and that's probably and an what so i'm clear about um i mean i read it as they thought it was just a they thought it was just a coincidence mm. and the other people thought it was god's voice but it doesn't it's very hard you can't necessarily take that from the past but there could have been elements of truth in both and so yeah. when we as a community come together we by us being reasonably sure that we're right mm. we can be reasonably sure we are asked to somewhat to some extent right um but it's looking well what to to some extent is another person and that's right. where community comes from doesn't it because it's about journeying with each other and that you know we talked about it before the idea that god's told me you know, oh god told me this you know mm. and oh no 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 i'm i'm not gonna do that because god's told me this and uh and that's fine but it's there's a there's a refining in community mm. you know so has he told all of us and is this do we weigh it up collectively and yes you're right i don't think any of us bring the definitive voice of god to a conversation and i think if you hear people do that i think alarm bells should be going off in your head mm. um but there's that humility that comes with testing and weighing things up that i think is 
deeply attractive about the Christian faith mm-hmm. um, and church when it's when it's done like that. Unfortunately, I think you know too many of us fall down the authoritarian. The guy at the front knows what he's doing. Mm. Oh, he said that, so that must be right. Um, when actually, it's we've reflected on this. Um, I think whenever you you know when you kind of see something kind of remarkable, you're out and about, and oh, actually, it was um, on our first our first ever date. We we were walking towards Big Ben, and the numbers, the um, the clock hands just suddenly started going backwards, uh, yeah, it and it was it was obviously it was October, so they were getting ready for the hour change. But it was just quite a, huh? Did you see that? <laughs> As they just suddenly whiz backwards, and you've got to check that you're not going slightly mad. Um, and I th- I think when person sees something that's a bit extraordinary, you tend to look to another person and go, Did you say? Did you mm. see that? Or did you hear that? And I think we should really be wanting to say that to other mm. people. We should be wanting to say, you know, I think God might be saying mm. this. Do, do you hear that? Um, rather than thinking everything that we think is the last word. And, and ultimately that means God only speaks to us, which, um, which well, it's just you know, reasonably arrogant. So if we're going to be humble we listen to each other and mm. and are respectful of what is God saying to other people because he values them as much mm. as he values us. Are those those times when we went out in the evening late? Because that happens late, I think it's like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night. Yeah, it must have been. Back. Yes, before we were regularly <laughs> in bed at kids. 9 o'clock. Um, and I, I do think that's a challenge to ministry is how do we weigh up um and in community, how do we weigh up things in community? Mm. Um, which I think is a big challenge. You know, not let the dominant voice or the loudest voice win, um, which tends to, you know, still be the case. Um, and yeah, I've seen churches, you know, almost fall apart because a dominant voice um, was allowed. And an immature voice as well. I mean, that I've, mm. uh, I'm not going to share the story, but there's, you know, a story comes to mind where a church was trying to move forward in one direction. Uh, and it seemed like the church meeting was so inexperienced in weighing things up that they couldn't cope with weighing mm. it up and they got frightened and ended up changing the whole direction of things. Um, so there's a maturity in weighing things up mm-hmm. uh, and it's a bit like a muscle, isn't it? If the church is not used to expressing that and then you throw something big at it and it just can't do it, yeah. uh, you end up getting results that maybe is not kind of, doesn't come with maturity um but if and that's that's tiring like that's yeah. you know i can imagine that people would like to come to say a church meeting and be told what to do i know in in our church back in brighton nobody asked a question mm. unless you'd pre-organized to ask a question it was unthinkable that anybody mm. would speak up during the meeting it was very much a you go and you listen you hear what the leadership have decided mm. to do and I, I think that's quite people like that mm. because we're tired at the end of a day and we don't really want to have to think it through. And I think there's a huge responsibility on the people of Christ that we all need to be thinking it through and weighing through these decisions. Um, yeah, and they're, they're things I'd rather invest my time in with a community that really wanted to invest in and wrestle with things than, you know, I don't get anything from people. Yeah, and that I constantly, if you're not a church member, you're in this, but I'm constantly saying, can someone talk? You know, can yeah. we share? Um, because unless we get used to doing that, um, it just becomes me talking. Um, and the church needs to 
have a voice you know church members need to have a voice and just talking to someone else or aren't expecting someone else to speak on your behalf I think we miss so much and I think you need to be prepared to be wrong as well like you can be wrong and saying I thought that sounded like thunder yeah. when somebody else is saying I thought that was the angel of God mm. you know we're not going to be right all the mm. time and I look back and think there's things I said I think I think God wanted us to do and mm. then later I look back and think Oh, no, I think I was on the wrong side of the Mm. debate on that. Mm. And that's okay. I think um, we need to be prepared uh, to to say something knowing that we ourselves might be wrong. And then there's kind of two two kind of bits, really. So the next passage talks about judgment. uh, And then the other bit talks about the light not being here much longer. and then there's a a bit that comes out. Um, I've just lost it. Um, well, it's the judgment bit, really. So for 31, now is a time for judgment on this world. And now the prince of this world will be driven out. And there's so there's a judgment motif. And then the next passage going, goes on and says, and then I, when lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Uh, and there's a bit of a paradox mm. there, isn't it? So there's a judgment on the world. And we need to weigh that up. And I think Mm. probably, you know, theologically, the church has been very keen on judgment. Mm. It's like, we'll be judged. And that's, you know, a key cornerstone. But within the next sentence, there's this quite universalist statement. Mm. And I will draw all people to myself. So there's judgment on one hand. And then Jesus saying, but I'll draw everyone to me. Mm. Um and that I will draw everyone to myself is a really interesting verse. And um, because what if it's true? You know, mm. and I was talking to a minister, a friend of mine, and um, I'm not going to name the name, but just one of the issues he's having with the church is that they can't cope. You know, he was trying to share that. You know, mm. what if Jesus really meant it? Yeah. That I'll draw everyone, you know, whatever faith, creed, yeah. you know, sexual orientation, whatever, I will draw them to yeah. myself. Um, and I think we're very good on the judgment side. You know, yeah, the and black and white, the rules. Yeah, it's, yep. Jesus will judge us. But then this other side that seems unbelievably gracious mm. and generous, you know, so I'll judge the world, but I'll draw everyone. Um, and I think it's two sides of the coin that the church, unfortunately, has been obsessed with one side and ignored the other side mm. um, because it doesn't kind of fit. It's a lot easier to say, yeah, well, you're out and you're in. And Jesus is there saying, well, no, everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's, a re- you know, it's theologically, it's a huge statement because if you really honestly believe that, you know, that Jesus will draw everyone to himself, um, that I changes don't believe and challenges. It's the, um, only time in the Bible when a statement like this is given either. I no. think, don't think this, this verse is not in isolation. And I think um, there are those who you've gone to some length to show that yeah um but it's just really interesting they're so close together uh and we so we get caught up in one and ignore the other yeah and that's um well i mean that's 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 more than a a podcast really just in that in that one verse isn't it and it is you know i think um but i do think it's not I think if you're not careful, you just hold up the all people 
and say, well, that's what it's about. But there's the judgment aspect to it as well. And how do you weigh those two things together that there's a sovereign reign that God has over this world and whatever the, whatever we understand by judgment mm. um, and God's passing judgment on the world and how if we understand what Jesus accomplished on the cross in light of that judgment mm. um, and then how we understand um, Jesus drawing that there be no barriers to who Jesus draws to himself. Yeah. And um, I, I personally don't think I can really understand the cross without it being for all people mm. and that everybody will get that opportunity to be drawn mm. to Jesus Christ because um, just just so many people in my experience haven't really had that opportunity. Mm. Life has thrown things at them from they were the smallest uh, little mm. baby and really they haven't had that opportunity mm. to know the love of Jesus and the the gracious, the you know, gracious, most loving um, father, I think, in Jesus is wanting to open his arms mm. to everybody. And that might mean you've done some pretty terrible things in your life. And when you stand before Christ, you will see them and that will be your judgment. You will mm. see the things that you've done. You'll see the pain that you've caused and still you will mm. have the opportunity to be embraced by Jesus. Mm. But I know that other people find that that intolerable and they want to know that people will burn in hell for all eternity. But that's not the God I know. Mm. And there's passages like this that I think require us to reassess you know, mm. where our thoughts are and thinking are on it. Um, and I think as... And the, the challenge you have, certainly if you're addressing these things and, and maybe maybe you've grown up in church life and you're struggling with a simple black and white answers to things. I think that's kind of where mm. we are. It's like we've gone through all this and we've been brought by college, we've been in church ministry a number of years and it's like there is no simplicity in this gospel. There's a complexity and a depth to it mm. um, and a, a kind of a spectrum to it that needs wrestling with um, and not systematizing, not categorizing, not... Um, ultimately defining but trying to live with this amazing narrative that we're given and this amazing mm. book that we're holding uh, and the challenge then is how do we weigh up and honor scripture mm. and the high value of scripture but also honor how the spirit guides and leads today as well uh, and you can't unlearn that stuff and I think when you know I was trying I was thinking about this the other day if you've if you've had a revelation or an understanding on something, it's then very hard to go back to a simplistic yeah. or the other way. It's like a stages of faith. So if you kind of, <clears throat> if you're at stage one or two or three, by the time you get to three, you can't cope with one. It just looks like mm. like the worst thing in the world. It feels so shallow and uh, you're unable to um, deal with it. Um, so you kind of look, question moving forward. And I think when things have been revealed to you or scriptures you know, understanding of scripture's been revealed or changed, um, you can't go back, you know, and I think there's other things in life you can't go back to. And You, know. you can't go back, but you still need to hold that you once held that belief yeah. and that was not wrong for that 
stage of your faith that was no. who you were and you had to go through those stages so i think you must always be tolerant to yeah, your own past so. understandings yeah. and other people's yeah. various different understandings. oh and uh, just acknowledging the church the diversity in our church you know yeah. and uh, there's no hierarchy necessarily you know with this mm. this is just our own personal spiritual development but it's a bit like us you know we've lived independently with our kids you know imagine us going and living in one of our parents houses you know yeah. under their rules that'd be like yeah, it wouldn't end well, you know, so we can't go back to it. It's not devaluing what it was as we were growing up with them. Mm. It was really, you know, significant and character forming, forming, but you can't go back, mm. you know, and you can't put yourself back in that. And our kids won't, you know. You can't wear the clothes that you wore when you were a small child. No, no matter how much you love that red jacket, yeah, yeah. it just doesn't fit anymore. Um, and, you know, Sam loves his clothes as well, doesn't he? So there's things that he, I know he's <laughs> held on to that now Jacob's wearing and he gets really cross. He because really doesn't like the Jacob's wearing. <laughs> that's yes. what he yeah. wanted to always be wearing. Um, I mean, we, we've scooted along um, through the passage. Um, and I guess the, I mean, the other kind of bit that jumps out and, and is, one, is kind of the light. You're going to have the light a little while longer. Walk. Uh, while you have the light before darkness overtakes you but this was very much we have heard that preached Mm. for today but that was written specifically for the people who were witnessing christ pre-crucifixion so how we interpret that today is interesting because it was a pre-crucifixion yeah warning um and then uh, just at the last bit when he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from mm. them. And I don't know how many people are feeling since the restrictions are lifting, how much they're around people and then they want to go and hide <laughs> from people because I certainly do. It's lovely and, you know, there's hugs and there's chats. And then, oh, goodness mm. me, I need to hide myself from them. And I also think... I think we do need to protect ourselves. And mm. I think Jesus throughout the Gospels is shown to be somebody who is there, who is in community, who mm. loves his people, who loves his friends, and then goes to be by himself. Well, not just hiding. I mean, yeah, where did he go? Yeah. You know, is this, he kind of went down into a cave or a, somewhere yeah. else or over a hill or into a house. I mean, hid's quite a, it's not mm-hmm. just he went to be by himself. He he hid he himself deliberately, from them. you know, um, played hide and seek uh, and didn't want to be and found. And, you know, I know, I know so many people in Christian ministry who uh, seem to not allow themselves to do that. Yeah. There is that sense of constantly, if we're being a good Christian, we must constantly be there for other people. Mm. We must constantly be available and um, and therefore to rescue whatever needs come about. And I'd say we we are called to serve and we are all called to serve and perhaps some people hide too much mm. and perhaps some people hide not enough and mm. um, because if you're always um out there kind of trying to help trying to rescue trying to be there for people you will not be refreshed you will mm. not protect yourself and you know there's something to be said for for hiding i mean i think i think i probably do that in you know tv and books you know mm. there's just that sense of that's it come home hide out and I, I would like other people to feel that as we are getting back to a sense of normality mm. that that's okay that you still need to hide a bit well i'm also i'm um, trying to excel in hiding from the builders um at the moment mm-hmm. just we're having building work at church and you know, i do my best just to stay out of the way 
uh, and don't get caught up in anything because um, it can be easy to do that. Well, I think we're going to draw it to a close mm-hmm. there. Next week, we're looking at um, why do we believe what we believe about prayer. Prayer. I'm thinking through prayer. Um, uh, and then our final one of our series is that looking... That was quite a test there. Yeah, no, out. I, I left it hanging. I did leave it hanging. Um, so thank you for joining us. Um, God bless you um, this day. And uh, God bless you as you wrestle uh, with the amazing gift um, that Scripture is to us.